to the show. This is Wrong Place, Right Crime. I am your host, Frank Zafaro, and this is an open and shut episode with Brian Thornton. Uh, Brian and I share a hometown, and he was kind enough to come on the show to discuss a pair of anthologies that he edited uh, based on the music of Steely Dan, among a couple of other projects. Uh, So we're going to talk to him, uh, but before we do that, I'd like to remind you that uh, this, this program, Wrong Place, Right Crime, is sponsored by Down and Out Books. Down and Out Books is an up and coming publisher of a dark crime fiction at the grittier end of the spectrum. If you'd like to learn more, go to downandoutbooks.com. That's downandoutbooks, all spelled out, dot com, downandoutbooks. Take the journey with us. And now let's meet Brian Thornton. Well, hey, Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks. Happy to be here. couple of uh, expatriates from... Spokane, Washington today on the program. <laughs> University High School, class of 83, Gonzaga, class of 92. Uh, I actually grew up in Deer Park, so uh, that's that's north of Spokane for those who don't know the area. So class of 86. So we're both officially old. Um, so I want to talk about several uh, collections you've got going on. But before we get to that, I wanted to point out that you, you're pretty active in the writing community, I mean, you you're at a lot of the noir bars. You're active in the uh, MWA. You know what drives you to do that? I guess you know if you asked other people, some people probably say that I love the sound of my own voice. But uh, I don't think that there's anything any substitute for bringing a personal touch to try when you're trying to sell your writing, and that's what we're all doing. I mean, everything these days is about building your brand. It's about um, as much of a personal touch as you can add to the marketing of your stuff as possible. And, well, for one thing, it's fun. For another, so many writers seem so intimidated at the thought of getting up in front of a bunch of people and reading their stuff. And uh, I have a background in amateur theater that goes decades ago. I haven't been in anything in a long time, but... I'm not afraid of being up in front of a group of people and I like the, the instant accountability I get from it because if they're paying attention while I'm reading, then I'm doing something right. You're never going to have a friendlier crowd than somebody who comes to a public reading. I mean, Mm -hmm. you're just not, they want you to do well. They do not Mm -hmm. want you to bore them. And so do the other writers in the room. Yeah, exactly. Um, It's like, I mean, I'm not a big kiss fan. But I do remember Ace Freely, the guitarist for Kiss, mm-hmm. saying Starman. when we, yeah, Starman. And he said, you know, when we when we started out, we were terrible. I I would advance the notion they still are, but as far as like their ability to play, he said, but you play three hundred dates a year, you're gonna get better. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I'm not as hard on Kiss as you are. I guess yeah, well. <laughs> there's a there's a couple of tunes I dig actually. I I swear to God, I must be the <laughs> only guy. Our our age group from Spokane who does not like Kiss. Well, I didn't say uh, I liked yeah. them. I just yeah. don't hate them like you do. And then yeah, I, I, I just I, I dig a couple of their songs. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. I'm, not I'm not. I'm not starting an anthology based on their music. <laughs> <laughs> which which is not a bad segue if a little ham handed, uh, because the the projects that I wanted to talk to you about a couple of them are exactly that they're anthologies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, why don't you describe those? I think you could do a better job than I could. 
I've been saying for years that there seemed to be a link, a viable link between certain types of music and certain types of literature. You may not be aware of this, but uh, Warren Zevon, the uh, you know Werewolves of London guy, yeah, uh, my rides here, uh, enjoy every sandwich, and of course, lawyers, guns, and money. Mm-hmm. But he he dedicated one of his albums to the noir fiction writer Ross McDonald, who apparently, really? yeah, he was a big fan. Bad Luck Streak and Dancing. So Lou Archer is that the character? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was a huge fan of, of Ross McDonald's, and the point is that there is sort of this um, almost you know an archetypal link. And so I've been saying for years that uh, that I thought that some of the best noir lines I had ever heard were in Steely Dan songs. I mean. Take me for a fool. Do you think that I don't see that ditch out in the valley that they're digging just for me? That's from Bad Sneakers. That's just one of them. And so I had said that somebody should do an anthology, you know, joking around. Well, then uh, Joe Clifford did Trouble in the uh, Heartland. Yeah, he did Trouble in the Heartland and he did uh, Just to Watch Them Die, which was, mm-hmm. you know, Springsteen and Johnny Cash, respectively. And then I'd been talking, I've been saying, God, somebody should do a Steely Dan anthology. And then Walter Becker died. And um, I was at that point, I was in talks with a publisher that we share down out books. I was in talks with Eric Campbell over there. And I said, you know, somebody ought to do an anthology of Steely Dan stuff. And he said, okay, why don't you do it? So we worked something out and typical Eric answer. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. Why don't you do it? So I started approaching people about it and I I thought I'd have like 12 people and it kept getting bigger and bigger and there was literally one point at which one of the guys that was associated with it one of the one of the uh, writers calls me up and says hey this much bigger name writer just walked up to me at this conference and he's clearly been drinking and he, and I'm like I'm like great and he goes yeah he wants to be in it and I'm like yeah we're full but you know I'll ask Eric and he said Eric sitting right here Eric says <laughs> yeah I'm like okay great so then I talked to Eric and I say look we've got too many people. Um, uh, I mean, Holly West just did Murder a Go Go, and she had twenty five contributors with no story of her own, and uh, I, I, that is a challenge. I've I've edited other anthologies before, and I just thought, you know, that's too many. I didn't want people to get lost in the prop wash, so we talked about splitting it up. We split it up, and so the first one is called Die Behind the Wheel, and it has twelve authors, and it launches on June twenty fourth. Coming yeah. Up. yeah, it's been a long time coming. And the contributors for that one include David Corbett, Nick Feldman, Bill Fitzhugh, Linda Joffe Hull, R.T. Lawton, the immortal Cornelia Reed, Stacy Robinson, D.B. Schlosser, Sam Weeb from up Vancouver Way. Yeah, I met him at LCC. He's a cool guy. He is a cool guy. Simon Wood, James W. Ziskin, and I have a story in there, too. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a good lineup. Yeah, um, it's pretty solid. I'm pretty happy about it. But but you broke it into two. So what's what's the so second that's, volume? That's the first half. And the second one, the working title is A Beast Without a Name, which is from a song called The Case of Altamira from um, The Royal Scam, their 1976 album where Larry Carlton played all those scorching guitar lines on them. And P- Pretty Purdy played the bass and Chuck Rainey. I mean, Pretty Purdy played the drums with the Purdy shuffle and Chuck Rainey played bass. But the thing is, the idea was you pick a song and 
you go with that either thematically or you get literal about it. Um, Bill Fitzhugh did one called Green Earrings where it's a heist story where they're kind of trying to steal some rare jade green earrings. And because it's Bill Fitzhugh, hilarity ensues. And I did one based on the song off of uh, Countdown to Ecstasy called Showbiz Kids. Um, and that's the last, that's the final one in that anthology. And um, Nick Feldman uh, did a poker caper one for Your Gold Teeth. Simon Wood did Haitian Divorce. Jim Ziskin did Reeling in the Years. Uh, Sam Weeb did Home at Last. D.B. Schlosser did Pretzel Logic. Stacey Robinson did Josie. Cornelia Reed did Dirty Work. And boy... I mean, that's the lead story. I mean, they're all great, but what a lead story. R.T. Lawton did um, On Your Knees Tomorrow, which was a riff on Do It Again. And then Linda Joffe Hull did Black Cow. And the second one we have, I mean, just off the top of my head, we had had Steve Brewer and Bill Cameron writing under the pen name W.H. Cameron. I don't know why. That's his deal. (laughs) Reed Farrell Coleman, Libby Cudmore, Aaron Erickson, Naomi Hirahara. Uh, Matthew Quinn Martin, Richie Nervaez, Kat Richardson, Peter Spiegelman, Jim Thompson, and Jim Winter. That's a, and also a great lineup. And Yeah, well, and, like uh, I said, people came out of the woodwork wanting yeah. to go to work on this. Yeah, that was easy. When's that come out? Uh, that comes out, that drops on October 28th, along with my other project, the one that I was working on with uh, Down and Out originally. Well, let's talk about that. Okay, so that's Suicide Blonde. That's a collection of three novellas, one of which is uh, entitled Suicide Blonde. And the other two have working titles. I'm still not happy with them yet, so I'm going to hold back on those. And it's actually an expansion, a vast expansion of a short story that I sold out for Hitchcock Mystery Magazine about 12 years ago. It's set in 1962, Las Vegas. Basically, uh, a mob lawyer who is set to nursemaid the... 'er ne'er-do-well older brother of a mob boss through a court appearance gets a late-night call because the guy's woken up next to a dead girl in his bed. Oh, that's nice. (laughs) So he's got to to fix it, and it just goes sideways from there. And now that's the Suicide Blonde. That's Suicide Blonde, The other two are are linked thematically? They're all all characters. They have have characters that occur through all three. What made you set it in 62? That's the year that's it's three years after Appalachian and the mob, uh, the Appalachian mm-hmm. conference where all those guys got picked up in 59 by the FBI and the mob has begun to regroup and it's moved a lot of its action westward. Sinatra took his angry walk across the, across the strip. I can't remember if we, I, off the top of my head. I can't remember if he we went from Caesars to Tropicana or the other way around. I think he went to Caesars and he, he's pissed off about something, uh, probably money. And, uh, you know, it, that's just the beginning of like the Rat Pack era. And I don't ever even mention the Rat Pack aside from mentioning Sinatra's angry walk at one point. But it's all the guys that are in the shadows making making that money. Mm-hmm. And the thing is that I taught in Vegas um, about 20 years ago. The thing that people don't realize, because most people don't live there, they go there. Mm-hmm. It's a great place to go. When you live there, who wants to go to the Strip every day for for 99 cent shrimp cocktails there's only so much you can do unless you're a gambling addict what i saw while i was there was a whole culture there that people never hear about and i was like so let's talk about what's going on in the shadows while you're being blinded by those lights i wanted to step out from behind the glitz of it all also because i gotta tell you 
And I know The Godfather is a great movie. And The Godfather Part 2 is the best movie that I think Coppola ever did. And 3 is okay. It's better than people want to admit. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, that great line where Pacino says, every time I think I'm out, they pull me right back in. But one thing it did was it ushered in this age of glamorizing the outlaw. And, I mean, granted, we'd, we'd had that before with George Roy Hill doing Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. Bonnie and Clyde. Bonnie and Clyde. I mean, but if you research these guys, they are not people you'd want to hang out with. <laughs> I mean, they'd see something of yours and they'd be like, that's mine. They, they would just, they were, they were crooks. And so I thought, you know, put it in 62, sharp suits, all the patter. And at the end of the day, they're just hoods. And a lot of them weren't very smart. And the ones who were smart, like Meyer Lansky, they stayed out of Vegas. And I just thought there's there's room to play in there. So that's what I did. I described Las Vegas in one of the stories as I liken it to an overage hooker, which uses <laughs> which uses because during the day it's a small, dirty, ugly burg in the middle of a valley surrounded by various shades of brown hills and it uses the low light it it uses the night and the neon light like an overage hooker uses makeup in in a dim in a dimly lit bar and i don't think that's far (laughs) off but you know the people in vegas i've never met anybody who wasn't great that includes people who waited on me but also people that i made friends with when i was there i got nothing but good things to say about the people it's just the, it's just the town itself it's just like how did this get the way it is well the mob this drops the same time as the second volume of uh the steely dan uh anthology, right, uh, right october 28th um let me be very clear they are not volume one and two i have to reiterate that okay. but also the decision making process was if you were going to left coast crime you were going to get in the first one the only person that didn't go to left coast crime who's in the first one is cornelia reed and you know what? I had one slot and I filled it. And I filled it with what I thought was the best lead story. They're all great stories. But everybody else was there. We had a big signing party because I got some advanced copies. And then I had polled everybody. Are you coming to Left Coast? If you're not coming to Left Coast, you're in the second one. And so, like I said, a couple of people were like, oh, you know, nobody reads volume two or whatever. And they are thematically linked but they're completely independent. You don't need to read one or you, you don't need to read the first one, like the one that drops first uh, in order to, to enjoy the second one, the one that drops second. And I did not go, Hey, I put all the real killers in the first one and the cannon fodders in the second one. It doesn't work like that. I mean, I read, I read the contributor list off to you and these, these people wrote lean, mean, great stories. What I wanted to be clear was, you know, a year Two years from now, these things are still going to be in print and nobody's going to give a damn which one dropped first. It's going to be Die Behind the Wheel, crime fiction inspired by the music of Steely Dan, and A Beast Without a Name, crime fiction inspired by the music of Steely Dan. And then Suicide Blonde will drop the same time as The uh, uh, Beast Without a Name. God willing. So, <laughs> so, uh, and so busier than, uh, than a one-legged man at a proverbial ass-kicking contest are you? So I had I had something I had started working on a while back, and uh, I fell in love. I got married, and I'm 54. I got married at uh, 45, became a father at 47. Uh, my son turns seven next month, and he's just independent enough now that 
I can have headspace. I don't. I never stopped writing, um, and I published some stories and stuff like that. But I don't know how anybody does it when their kids are little. The only answer I have is that they're vastly more talented than I am. And the list of people with that moniker, it's long but distinguished. I just could not find a way to do it. And for me, it's just a matter of headspace. Because, you know, if my kid wants to play, we're going to play because he's only going to be seven once. And he didn't ask to be born. We wanted him. So it's just that. And uh, the, uh, the the Dan anthologies are kind of my calling card saying, hey, Hey, guess what? I'm I'm producing again. So buy my stuff. You know, <laughs> listen to me read. Well, it's it's good to have you back. <laughs> appreciate that. Uh, and I appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, okay. we'll look forward to that uh, uh, first Steely Dan anthology to drop here in uh, late June. Thanks, thanks. That's fantastic, Frank. Thanks for having me on. Feel free to call anytime about that. I'd love to come back. Well, there you are, folks. A pretty good picture of who Brian Thornton is. Very well-spoken, intelligent guy. Uh, President of the Mystery Writers of America uh, for uh, for the existing term. Uh, I'd like to say thanks to Brian for coming on the show and uh, also to Down and Out Books for sponsoring us. Uh, Our next episode will be another open and shut episode with my friend Jim Wilski, who's latest uh, book is the uh, sixth episode of a grifter's song a novella entitled losing streak it finishes out the first season of that series so we're going to talk to jim on the next episode until then this is frank safaro reminding you that sometimes you gotta be in the wrong place to write crime